0: We all have our own path to walk. It may be obstructed, it may be winding, and no doubt it will have peaks and valleys, but it is ours alone. Like onlookers at a marathon, friends and family can offer encouragement along the way, but ultimately we decide the trajectory that we take. In this series, Juliet Doris Williams offers a clear view from her path that may inform your decisions as you move toward finding your faith. One part spirituality, one part real-world practicality, and a serious splash of fun. Here's Juliet. Hi, I'm Juliet. Welcome to Finding Faith. I'm the author of two books, one of which is Leaving Church, Finding Faith, Six Steps for Discovering Your Purpose in the World After Leaving the Christian Church, and the primary focus of this podcast. You can find both books and how to contact me on my website at julietdoriswilliams.com. I am here in this space chatting with you sometimes about the book and other things that may bubble up when we are talking about faith and life and how those two things intersect. Because if you are all like me, they always intersect. Hello there, Finding Faith friends. A few weeks ago, I was asked a question about forgiveness. And since then, it is like the universe kept putting the topic in front of me in different ways and from different angles Some things were an easy nod of agreement, and some of those things left me scratching my head. From a Jesus follower perspective, the whole Christ story is about forgiveness, traditionally speaking anyway. When I say traditional, I mean the way most Christian churches talk about forgiveness. Basic Christian tradition says that Jesus' death on the cross means that All of humanity is forgiven for its sins against God. Then there is the consistent dichotomy between what is taught and how it is practiced. If all of humanity is forgiven, then why does it seem that forgiveness is somehow in many ways and the eyes of many Christian churches conditional? Why is it? that some humans are worthy of God's blanket forgiveness, and other humans need to jump through some theological hoops to claim God's forgiveness for themselves. It's kind of a mess of how forgiveness is talked about and practiced. I could twist myself and you up in knots trying to explain to you the theological debate of atonement Google it, you'll get lots of stuff, more probably than you asked for. But today, there are not enough podcast minutes to have that discussion, and we would need wine, lots of wine. So I'm going to settle on the different ways we talk about forgiveness from a cultural perspective, sadly informed by the Christian perspective, sadly, because Christians don't agree on the basic concepts. So Just to ground this discussion, these are the basic concepts based on my read from Scripture. Jesus' death on the cross bridged the chasm of separation between humanity and our creator God as it satisfied the sin debt created by the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now, there are all sorts of theological debates about this basic thing. For instance, why would a loving, all-powerful God set up humanity with a quick catch-22 situation? Don't do this on pain of death or stay ignorant and stupid. Also, why would a loving, all-powerful God require his innocent son to die a painful and bloody death on behalf of guilty others to satisfy a debt that he did not make? And if you had to rewind and listen to that a few times, think about the raging debate that still goes on to explain that which, in my mind, can't be explained or justified. Welcome to theology, folks. It can be a barrel of laughs or groans, depending on the day. While there is broad pontification about that part, when pushed, generally, people will agree. God is a loving, patient, and forgiving God who will go to extraordinary lengths on our behalf. When pushed, generally, people will agree that God gives us all free will to make choices. And why do I say when pushed? Because the logic doesn't hold together when confronted with other passages in Scripture that contradict the belief that God is loving and patient and forgiving or that God gives us free will. This is why some of us, many of us, focus on Jesus' life and not the circumstances, the whys, wherefores, and so-ands of his death and resurrection. So what does Jesus' life tell us about forgiveness? All we know, based on what's written, is that Jesus fed people when they were hungry. Jesus healed people when he came across them or when they explicitly asked. Jesus refused to condemn people accused of sin by others. Jesus confronted the accusers, those others, with a simple request to look within before doing any condemning acts of those who they believed had sinned. We also know based on what's written, that Jesus is, that Jesus extended great kindness to those who were poor and those on the margins of the society of his day. He also had some choice words for the power brokers, the chief priests, and other leaders, mainly about their hypocrisy and their penchant for expecting others to live by religious laws they themselves failed to abide by. It is this part, that that speaking truth to power tendency of his that got him killed, but I digress. As I consider myself a Jesus follower, the life model is the one I always focus on. As one whose life was marked by marginalization, poverty, and trauma, Jesus' life of love and care expressed toward the poor and marginalized has always been inspiring and a bit of a north star. Other passages in scripture invite us to forgive and forget the harm done to us. I believe that this is the very thing that has most of us twisted up about the concept. Before I talk more about this, I want to say that practically everything that is said about forgiveness can be backed up by some scripture reference. Remember this point. If you are going to base your belief system on a particular biblical concept, the simple truth invites us to go deeper. Don't just spout off things because the Bible says, my friends, the Bible says a lot of things that does not absolve us of the responsibility to dig deep and base our belief systems on those things that align with our sense of what is good and loving and human. We all want to be better humans, right? I hope so. I know that I certainly do. So I heard a story some years ago that I have shared numerous times but never in this space. You may have seen it on the socials where it makes its rounds. I've seen it or some variation of it some, multiple times in the last few weeks, so I'm going to relay one of those here for this topic. By the way, I do not know the author but whoever they are, they have done a great service to the cause of humanity by sharing this wisdom. The story goes like this There once was a little boy who had a bad temper. His father gave him a bag of nails and told him that every time he lost his temper, he must hammer a nail into the back of the fence. On the first day, the boy had driven 37 nails into the fence. Over the next few weeks, as he learned to control his anger, the number of nails hammered daily, gradually dwindled. He discovered it was easier to hold his temper than to drive nails, drive those nails into the fence. Finally, the day came when the boy didn't lose his temper at all. He told his father about it, and the father suggested that the boy now pull out one nail for each day that he was able to hold his temper. The days passed and the young boy was finally able to tell his father that all the nails were gone. The father took his son by the hand and led him to the fence. He said, you have done well, my son, but look at the holes in the fence. Fence will never be the same. When you say things in anger, they leave a scar, just like this one. You can put a knife in a man and draw it out. It won't matter how many times you say, I'm sorry. The wound is still there. The little boy then understood how powerful his words were. He looked up at his father and said, I hope you can forgive me, father, for the holes I put in you. Of course I can, said the father. The moral of the story reads, It's not always anger. It is your actions in general. There are no fresh starts in life. There is no new beginning. Forgiveness comes easy for many people, but the scars of the past never go away. Watch what you do today, because sometimes the price isn't worth the reward. My friends, this is the power of our words and our actions. Some of us talk about forgiveness from the space of forgiving and forgetting. And yes, you can find some reference to that in scripture. We have taken the concept of forgive and forget to mean that we should forgive a person who has harmed us and forget the harm that was caused. I will go on record as saying this is completely unrealistic from a human standpoint. We are humans. We are not superhumans. If someone hurts us physically, emotionally, or spiritually, that leaves a mark on us. It may not be a visible mark but we are marked, none the same. We may not even acknowledge the mark, but the mark is there. There may have been an apology for the words spoken or for the action taken that caused harm, but the harm was like a nail in the wooden fence of our humanness. The apology may remove the nail, but the whole remains. So on the forgiveness front, forgive and forget says, that the human with the holes from the nails accepts the apology and goes on with their life as if nothing has ever happened. Except there are holes. The hurt that was caused by those words and those actions are still there. Am I saying you should accept the apology? Absolutely not. I am saying, however, that if you were the one who harmed, you need to accept the fact that you created the hole that you caused the harm and that the one on the receiving end of the harm has zero obligation to absolve you, to forgive you of the hurt, the harm you have caused. However, if love and their humanity compel them to forgive you, consider yourself blessed by a grace that you didn't deserve and go and do likewise by paying that forward. The next chance you get, you do not get to expect them to restore Or remain in relationship with you. So, what if you are the person who was harmed? Is it your obligation to forgive one who has harmed you, whether they apologize or not? I say no. Again, you have zero obligation to extend forgiveness and grace to the one who has harmed you. You, my friend, are invited into deeper consideration. When people hurt us, we have choices. We can hurt them back. We can demand an apology. We can force some sort of legal recompense if the act of harm falls into that category. We can withdraw from that person or situation. Consider this. All the power for what comes after the hurt rests with you, not with the person who harmed. And why do I say we have the power? Because if the person comes back to apologize, you can choose to accept it or reject it. If the legal system punishes the one who caused harm, that is some sort of closure, for sure. But it does not change the fact that the harm was done. The holes in your human wooden fence remain. You see where I'm going with this? I think we know this on some level that we have this power. How we wield this power is the thing that creates the inner conflict. This is especially true for survivors of trauma. What do we do with the holes that remain in our human fence when or if an apology comes, when or if there is a, is is restitution of some sort? This, then, is where the concept of forgiveness meets the concrete of the action of forgiveness. Even if there are reparations, efforts to... Make amends for the harm that was done. The holes in our human fence remain. Do we forgive and forget? That's an option. I will go on record as saying that this is a must. And before you turn that dial, let's unpack it for a few minutes. I say that forgiveness is a must because it is the grace you give yourself. It has absolutely zero to do with the person who wielded the hammer that caused holes in your human fence. Nothing to do with them. Everything to do with you. Why? Because once you have mentally, emotionally, or physically gotten past the incident that caused harm, I won't say healed, but gotten past it and that you have now continued on with your life. Holding on to the hurt is like what some wise person once said, it's it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It hurts you. Holding on to the resentment, the hate, hurts you and only you. Should you forgive the harm and the person who caused the harm? Yes. Should you forget? Not so fast, Pilgrim. Forgetting is a whole other thing and possibly a whole other podcast episode in short, it is my opinion that forgetting is virtually impossible. A thing happened. Harm was done. Holes that remain in the fence. Forgetting is saying to ignore the facts of your reality. And no one should expect that of anyone. However, and now I'm back to the power thing. The one who is harmed can decide how forgiveness works how it will work going forward you can decide to accept the apology you can decide that you are satisfied with the amends whatever that looks like you can decide that this person the one who caused harm can still occupy occupy space in your life or not you the one who was harmed is the only one who can decide how it works The power of forgiveness works for you because it relieves you of the burden and the poison that hate and resentment cause. And again, I repeat, it has nothing to do with the one who caused harm. It's the gift you give yourself. As a friend reminded me, we forgive to live. Holding on to the pain, the hate, and resentment will make us sick physically, emotionally, and spiritually sick. So what if the wielder of the hammer that caused holes in our human fence never apologizes or makes amends, you ask? It's the same answer, because it's the grace, the life, and the love you give yourself. So how do we do that, Juliet, you ask? It's simple, really. It does require you to tell yourself the truth. Acknowledge the hurt acknowledge the harm you can do that with yourself with a therapist or with someone else you trust but really you can simply do it by yourself here's a simple little exercise that i have i have employed a few times in my quiet times of prayer i simply say to the person i have in my mind's eye i forgive and release you thank you god amen mind you The person is not in my presence. They are in my mind. I'm thinking about this and I'm holding on to this. In my mind's eye, I forgive and release you. That's it. That's all. And you might have to do it a few times. And I realize that this may be or may feel or sound oversimplified. The pain and hurt of trauma has a lifelong impact But you don't have to carry that pain and hurt on your back for the rest of your life, my friend. You can acknowledge the truth of your life and put down the backpack that is making it hard to breathe. So, that's what I think on the subject. What do you think? I'm interested in hearing your stories. You know how to reach me. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Finding Faith.